Hello and welcome back to Pediapod for January 2022. This month, a new technique for estimating respiratory rates in preterm infants. Most very preterm infants experience apneas of prematurity. It's a common comorbidity of prematurity, and therefore reliable real-time monitoring of the respiratory rate is key in these infants. The conventional method is to use chest impedance, measured with electrodes on the surface of the thorax. However, this method is known to be unreliable, as it's prone to motion artefacts. For this reason, indirect measurements such as oxygen desaturation or bradycardia are often necessary to identify apneas. In this episode, we meet this month's featured early career investigator, Dr. Kirsten Jost at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. She describes a recent study of a novel technique using a commercially available nasogastric feeding tube that measures esophageal signals and uses customised software to identify the respiratory rate of non-ventilated preterm infants. Here she is. I was born in Switzerland and attended medical school at the University of Basel. I started my clinical education at the University Children's Hospital in Basel. And quite at the beginning, I had a rotation to the neonatal intensive care unit. And there I had the chance to do a PhD in biomedical engineering. We were conducting a clinical study about mathematical characteristics of vital signs in preterm babies. And I had the luck to have very enthusiastic and motivated mentors and supervisors. So Professor Schulzke and Professor Fry, who really encourage people to link research and clinical activity and really support new ideas. And additionally, I had a chance to visit the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Boston University, Professor Belazuki's lab, and learn a lot about signal analysis of vital signs. And through these experiences, it... Um, was towards the end of my PhD that this collaboration with the Institute for Human-Centered Engineering from the University of Bern in Switzerland was started and that we then started the project that is described in the manuscript here. So you talk about the problem with standard monitoring of vital signs. What can be difficult about monitoring vital signs? If you think about newborns, they move a lot. They have to be taken care of a lot. So nurses, doctors, parents are touching them, turning them around. That makes a lot of motion on the wires of the sensors. And all these motion artifacts are really hard to be filtered out, actually. Heart rate is probably the easiest vital sign to measure because it's a very clear action. But respiration is much more difficult to capture because it has a lot of overlying other frequencies that can interfere with it. So everyone in daily clinical care that works with newborns really knows that you shouldn't trust the respiration signal. And so what is the current kind of gold standard in the NICU for assessing the respiratory rate? The current gold standard is surface electrodes and you measure the chest impedance which is kind of an easy way because you can use the same electrodes as you use for the ECG monitoring, but is a very unreliable measurement because you measure a lot of motion. So the, the gold standard has got issues. Yes, and it has so much issues that actually 
the alarm for an apnea that you want to detect is not triggered by the respiration signal itself, but by proxy signals like the decreasing heart rate, which is a secondary sign of the apnea, or a decreasing oxygen saturation level. Well, anyway, the manuscript we're here to talk about today describes a new tool for measuring the respiratory rate. Tell me where this came from. The idea was from the NAVA ventilation, so the Neurally Assisted Ventilatory Assist. It's a special technique where you have this gastric feeding tube with electrodes in it, and you use it in babies that are normally on a ventilator. What we did then is that we used these tube, but we didn't use the software and the ventilator, but we built our own customized software for the project. And we had non-ventilated preterm babies. We took advantage that there is a tool that is safe to use in those babies, but then we build our own software to enhance the signal that we get in a different way. Before we get to the sort of signal processing, why did you think that these esophageal electrodes would be kind of better placed, better than like something on the chest? It's really close to the diaphragm, which is the main respiratory muscle. And it doesn't have all the skeletal muscles in between. You have kind of a stable field because it's inside. And the other advantage is if you think from the baby's perspective, if you don't need the surface electrodes, it would be so much nicer. And the second part of this study was looking at how you could improve the signal processing, wasn't it? Tell me about, first of all, the difficulty of these kind of signals and what your solution was. The difficulty is that if you imagine you have several electrodes in a feeding tube in a very small baby, that you get a lot of signals. So in this specific case, we had 10 electrodes in this feeding tube, and then you get one summation signal out, which of course has breathing components in it, but also has a lot of other signals like the heart rate, and then all the normal background noise that you have on an EQ, then also skeletal muscles, uh, swallowing. So a lot of different things are happening. The difficult thing is then to really filter out the signal of interest. Tell me about this Kalman filtering then. Like how do you filter that signal? The advantage of a extended Kalman filter technique is that it's a model that is estimating a signal that can vary a lot, which is perfect for physiological signals. Additionally, it can integrate different signals at the same time. So as I said, we had 10 electrodes and a Kalman filter is able to take all of these simultaneously into account and then really estimate where is the signal closest to what I would assume is diaphragmatic activity. And just before we hear about the results then, this was a prospective observational study, wasn't it? So this was a prospective single centre study at the University Children's Hospital in Basel, Switzerland. And we enrolled 13 preterm infants, all rather stable, non-ventilated, but in need of a gastric feeding tube. And with these, we captured over 400 hours of esophageal signals synchronized with the current standard monitoring from the NICU. First of all, did they successfully identify the respiratory rate and, and how did you measure the success of that? The way how we can prove if 
what we estimate with the Kalman filter was right or not wasn't so easy because the very motivation of this project was that the standard monitoring from the NICU is actually problematic. So we had to come up with another way of comparing what we thought would come closest to the truth. So we took the esophageal signals after we've processed them to really highlight the respiratory activity and visually went through them and labeled them in a customized software, inspiration and expiration peaks. And those visually annotated segments were then compared to the results of the extended Kalman filter and to the results of the synchronized NICU monitoring. Okay, give us the results then. How did this new technique compare? We had a very, very good agreement between the extended Kalman filter estimation of respiration and the visually annotated signals. So it was almost overlapping. When we compared it to the standard monitoring, it was actually more of a difference. So so overall it was it was closer to what we assumed to be the, the truth and there was less kind of variability in the signal. That's perfectly said, yes. What further evidence would you like to gather in support of this new technology? I think one would have to add additional information to really find out. Because even if we have more babies, it will be the same information. So we would either have to have more sensors in the esophagus that could give us more information about the respiration to prove if this is actually measuring the right thing. Or we would have to have another way of an assured respiration detection synchronized, which is very difficult in babies because either they are on a ventilator, then it's really easy to detect when they're breathing in and out, but then it's not natural breathing because they're on a ventilator. And then there are ways to measure natural breathing in babies, but that's a large study setup that you need. And then you measure 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So it's also then not over a longer time and clinically applicable. So it's That's the very difficult part about this study, I would say, to actually prove that we are right. That was Dr. Kirsten Jost at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you'll join me again in a month's time for the next edition of Pediapol. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.